Instructions for dancing, but I, 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 I love it when you read to me and you. All right, folks, we're into the final stretch of the show. Thanks for tuning in. We're here every Saturday on Joy 1250 here in Southern Ontario between 1 and 5 Eastern, that is. Uh, and if you're not catching us in Toronto, then. You need to know that we are Eastern. You can listen to us on our website, streaming live right now, drewmarshall.ca. Ian and Larissa Murphy, recently featured on Oprah's new series, Belief. So, what if that thing you really feared happened? Would the joy you hold explode? Would it pop? Or would you experience love and joy deeper than you can imagine? They met in college, fell in love, they talked about getting married... He started looking for a ring. They dreamed about life together, a life of beauty and joy, raising babies and laughing with friends and growing old. They did not imagine a car accident. They did not imagine his brain injury. They did not dream about the need for constant care in a wheelchair and fear that food might choke him. And they could not have imagined how persistent love would be. Theirs and God's. Ian and Larissa Murphy tell their story of love in their book, 828. Except it's not just their love story. Really, it's yours as well. The website you may want to go to to gain a picture of love that will challenge all you think and all that you know about what is true and what persists is ianandlarissa.com. ianandlarissa.com. And I think Larissa is on the phone with us right now. I hope she's on the phone with us right now. Otherwise, this is going to be a really awkward moment of silence. Hello, Larissa. Hi, Drew. How are you? I'm quite well. I'm quite well. Do we have both of you on the phone, or is it just you, Larissa? Uh, so nice to have you guys. I've I've watched some of the videos of your interviews. I mean, you're kind of a big deal. You know, people know you now. That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ian doesn't think he's a big deal. No. No, but he knows Lovey is. What are you? You guys have so many pet names for each other, right? <laughs> I just love that people that we don't know know what they are. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. No, Ian always calls me wifey. Wifey. <laughs> How about, what about, uh, did you go over nicknames? Like, did you say, hey, what about Pookie or Cupcake or Cumberbuns or Muffin Top? Oh, Muffin Top. That's, that's really romantic. Um, <laughs> when, when we were dating, Ian was adamant that my nickname for him not be something wussy. So, do you remember what I was supposed to, your nickname was supposed to be for me? Do you remember? Uh, Hammer? Uh, no. Um, uh, we always joked that it was like Bruce or Wayne, and I didn't realize, because I never watched Batman, that Ian was just playing a trick on me by Bruce Wayne. <laughs> acting like it was two different names. Uh, you guys, um, I don't, you know, look, I don't want to get too mushy right off the bat here, but I'm telling you, um, the reason people, I think, are clamoring to your story, the reason they've hung on to it, the reason that you know millions of people have watched the the YouTube videos, um, is really because it's inspirational. But I, but but why is it inspirational? Let's go right to why is this thing so inspirational? And I think you correct me if I'm wrong, Larissa, because I usually am. 
Um, but does it not have something to do with the fact that you had all the reasons in the world to leave Ian after the accident? I'm sure people sat you down and said, you know, just because, you know, you were dating and everything, you know, you're not engaged, so don't feel bad and I want to set you free. And I'm sure his family said that. I hope people gave you some solid advice like that. But you stayed. And uh, is that it? Is that really it? You stayed. That's why it's so inspirational. Um, I think if it was just a one-sided story, the answer would be yes. But I think what's just as inspirational, if not more, is the fact that Ian has continued to keep living and believing um, that he has a future and a hope. Um, and I think that's the, often the most overlooked part of our story is that, you know, what it requires for Ian to get out of bed every morning and hmm. um, keep working hard. And he had courage. It took a ton of courage to enter into marriage on his part, you know, trying to be a husband when you're very limited physically. Like, that takes so much courage. Um I love you, and it's a long story. I love you, and it's a long story. And Ian said it's a love story yeah. between him and Jesus. Um, huh. So wow. yeah, I mean, but I think I think like it. I think part of I think we probably look like freaks because we chose to stay together. Um, but you know, a lot of couples would go through and will go through some type of like health challenge a lot of couples at one point or another are going to be each other's caregiver um we're just starting there and i think that probably stands out because we still chose to get married um in spite of that and when we did have lots of conversations on both sides um wanting to make sure it was what we both wanted. I mean, before we got married, we had um, just, we already had a lot of people following our blog and, um, you know, our pastors just asked us the tough questions. Like, you know, if if we felt, if we felt like we were pressured to do this because our story had some following, if it was like what we wanted to do. um, And, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't want to be apart from each other. So it was kind of like, okay, we believe that God is big enough that he can help us to like figure out this marriage thing. Um, and we believe that we can bring him um, a lot of honor when our life is together in marriage. So, um, okay. All right. Listen, yeah, I, 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 I want to bring people up to speed in your story, but I, I just kind of forgot that I had listeners there for a second. I was just started, I started talking <laughs> like it was just us. So I want to concisely, I sort of want to summarize, because you've told this story a million times, so let me summarize a little bit. You met in 2005 in college, the spring of your senior years, both communication majors. You worked on the campus TV station. You weren't really into him. He might have been into you, right? Isn't that how it all started? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then we ended up having mutual friends, and so we'd end up at the same places. Now, do you remember, Larissa, the first time you saw Ian? Like, the very first time? Hmm... Well, our first interaction was on the campus TV station. Right. Um, well, we, but, I want to I get to this point. Who made the first move? Oh, gosh. Ian, who do you think made the first move? I'm thinking. <laughs> and smiling. Ooh. He says he does. Yeah? He says he did. I don't remember. I mean, Ian asked, the first one to, like, ask 
for us to go on an actual date. So I guess that counts. As okay, that works. That works. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember who first leaned into the first kiss? Like who made that first move? Ian, I think you did that too. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> Ian, you sly dog, you man. Yeah. All right. So you'd been dating for ten months. And then September 30th, 2006, Ian, at the time, you were 21 years old, on your way to work, and Larissa, you were at a wedding shower, and you get a phone call. And who was it, and what did they say? So Ian's dad called the house where the the bridal shower was and got a hold of Ian's mom and just told her that he'd gotten a call from a caseworker from a Pittsburgh hospital and that we needed to go right away because Ian was in emergency surgery. And that's, that's pretty much all we knew. Must have been the longest drive of your life. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. <laughs> and we didn't know, you know, he was on his way to work, so we didn't really know if it was something that happened, like, once he was at work. If it was, we didn't know that it was definitely a car accident. Um, so we just had, like, a lot of even basic questions because we didn't have very much to go on. Man. See, here's here's the, the, the one of the issues I have with your story. I have so many issues with this story. It, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's frustrating, and it's and it's um, it's intriguing, but it's complicated. Larissa, you're praying the whole time that it wouldn't be his brain that was injured, and you get there, and it was his brain that was injured. Mm-hmm. So theologically, as you wrestle with God on this whole thing, what happened there? Um, so I actually say, I wish I could remember. Um, I mean, any type of traumatic experience like that, like looking back on it, it's such a blur. Um, I, I was really a young believer too. And so there was just a lot, I mean, I hadn't really like wrestled through any big questions like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like Theologically, all I the what I most remember about that time was just um, praying a lot, not knowing what to think, not knowing like how to understand God's character, and just completely relying on the prayers and faith of our local church and the people who surrounded us at the church um, and at the hospital. Because I, I I don't know, you're just kind of like thrown into this giant tornado. Um, and it's like minute by minute, you're just hoping for the next, like, report from the doctor to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting, like, looking back on my journals helps me put it together a little bit, like, what I was kind of, like, grappling through spiritually, but, um, it was also such a like, minute-by-minute life-or-death situation that I think I struggled with the, like, theology issues further past. Like, once that... Sure. You know, those couple of weeks that were, like, so unsure. Yeah, because, I mean, um, mean, at that moment, you know, Ian's in a coma, there's life support decisions, there's potential funeral plans. I mean, I can't imagine you, you know, wrestling with God theologically about, hey, I prayed that it wouldn't be a brain injury, and it was, hello, like, you know, yeah, that comes yeah. later. Yeah. So, let's I, I, let's just land on that spot for a minute. Um, you know, I ask, I guess, every journey segment on our show, it's based upon normal people living life, and life throws them 
wicked curveballs, and then I want to know how that impacts them spiritually. And one of the questions that usually comes up, and I'm sure our listeners are sick of me asking this, but eh, I think we all process the same things. What do you do with the with your disappointment with God? I mean, you know, we we glibly pray for traveling mercies. You know, Lord, we just pray. You know, please, your angels protect and surround and help them car drives and safety and all those kind of things. And and all of a sudden, this nasty stuff goes down, and we're left with a bunch of options. We're left with. Okay, God, are you even hearing my prayers? Um, did I say them wrong? Have I done something wrong? Did Ian do something wrong? Um, is this just, you know, um, uh, the devil? You know, I mean, there's that theology as well. So what did this do to to your spiritual life? And did you ever allow yourself? Because I don't think, I think most people, well, I don't know. Anyway, I'll shut up and ask Lee, let you answer my 17 questions I just threw out there. Yeah, and they're such easy ones to answer, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, well, I mean, who am I to be disappointed in God? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, as rough as it may have felt, like, who am I? Like, God gave me life and breath and being, and um, I can choose to either bless or curse him, and who am I to curse him? Um, hmm. So, you know, there's, we know that sadness and sorrow and grief um, are expected, because really sad things happen here, and it just makes me look forward to heaven that much more, um, and just holding on to that that belief that Jesus died for me, and so I'm I'm going to be in heaven. And so much of that part of our spiritual journey um, has been really impacted by the death of Ian's dad. And while we miss him so much, it's, we know that like he lived to meet Jesus, and he. So even, you know, the day he died, we were all together, and it was like, the only thing that felt right was to worship, because we were, that's where he wanted to be. And while he didn't necessarily want to be there yet, you know, he wanted to watch his grandbabies grow up, um, he loved Jesus and held fast to Jesus's love for him. And so having someone who was so integral in Ian's story and like, was Ian's biggest advocate, seeing him go ahead of us. I remember sharing at his funeral, just there was so much comfort knowing, okay, one of us um, sees the full picture now. And no matter like what questions we have here, I might have questions about this until the day I die. I might like wrestle with theology until the day I die because I'm like near human and my mind like, I literally can't fully comprehend God yet. No, because we're all the, we're all stuck on this side of heaven. Yeah, and I might, you know, even I might go to the grave with those questions, but we know they're all going to be answered. And so I think that, like Ian, especially um, one of the biggest examples and evidences for me that God is real is as soon as Ian started talking, um, which was about two and a half years after the accident. It was so clear that the Holy Spirit had held him, and his heart was still so tender for the Lord, and 
um, still is now, and Ian is constantly washing me with God's Word. And, I mean, how, like, what more evidence could I need? You know, someone who was basically asleep for two years um, kind of does away with any type of belief in us earning our salvation um, because there was literally nothing Ian could do, yet God was still with him. Um, so I think God has I've certainly... I mean, we're so human, and I wrestle with stuff all the time and just um, ask Ian to pray for me all the time that, like, I would believe the Bible and what the Bible says about God's character when I don't necessarily feel like maybe that day I'm living in it. Um, and I think that's so much of what faith is, um, you know, believing in the unseen and our book title, um, you know, in reference to eight, Romans 8.28, like, we just have to have faith to keep believing that God has incredible purposes in this. And, you know, even just the ways that our story has been shared and people have seen Jesus. Um, I don't know if that would happen if he had had total health. I don't know if, you know, shortly we wouldn't have been on Oprah's program where millions of people heard us speak about Jesus. Right. But, um, but hold on, Larissa, that's, that's another point for me where I, I shake my head out and say, well, but, you know, I know you guys are Christians, and I know that you love Jesus, and I know that you would like the world to know about Jesus. I get all that. But tr- surely you're not saying to me, uh, I would rather have Ian in, uh, in, in, you know, the way he was before and, and not have this platform for Jesus. I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, this, is hard to, this is a hard question for me to ask because I'm... Because oh, I, you know, I don't want to paint you in a corner here, but I, okay, let me personalize it. I'll use I statements. I would much rather not have my my kid be in a car accident and in in some horrible, you know, disfigured thing or whatever, um, rather than uh, than than you know, oh, my kid was in a car accident and and we all love Jesus and now we're we're on Oprah and I can tell everyone about Jesus. No thanks. I'd rather not. Have, I'd rather my kid not be in a car accident. I think I just absolutely well, I mean, tortured who, that question. <sighs> but who would, I mean, who would choose? I mean, who, who would say at the end of the day, I'm so glad this happened? I don't think God requires that of us. I don't think God requires us to be, like, thankful that Ian almost died. But I'm grateful that even though that happened, for reasons like I will ever know all the reasons I get all these evidences of it's not like Ian had this accident and now we have nothing left to live for. Ian had this accident and now God is creating this beautiful story even for ourselves of like how we get to live in a totally different understanding of um, God's love and the, the hope of heaven. And yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I can't imagine any... Yeah parent saying, yes, I'm glad my son was just crushed under an SUV. Like, I don't, and I don't think God requires that of us. Okay. All right. This whole thing, again, I have this weird complexity of reactions to your story. Uh, So thank you for being patient with, with me (laughs) as I interview you guys about this. Um, See, and look, here's, here's another aspect. You mentioned this already, you know, Ian's dad developed brain cancer and died before you guys got engaged. Come on, that's enough for one family. That's crazy for all of this to go down in a, in a, in a short amount of time. You, I don't know. I, 
there, sometimes when I interview people on my show and they have so many things that go down, that go wrong or mm-hmm. bad stuff or whatever, I just look, I do, I look upwards and go, why, why this family? That's enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we think, I think that it was, I mean, with Steve's cancer, it was kind of like, Mary and I were just kind of like, well, you know, it's actually not surprising because like when you live through something, okay, so we're literally all going to die. I've heard that. We just don't know when. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you already knew that, but thought I'd remind (laughs) us. Um, We just don't know when or how. And so, you know, Ian was so close to death. And, you know, when Steve had cancer, it was just, Mary and I were just kind of like, you know what? Like, not in this hopeless way. It was just kind of like, this, this stuff does happen. And yes, this feels like, insane that like something else great you know i think we probably at some point we felt like we had a wild card from like ever experiencing pain again um and you know we missed him like crazy and and wish he was still here and don't totally understand why then and that way and you know all the things that he's missing now that we wish he were here for um but we know he's like far better off where he is than here and we just can't wait to get there with him so I mean it's hard I think in like a radio interview you know you're not going to get necessarily exposed to like the depths of people's pain and you're not going to get exposed to that unless it's you experiencing it yourself and so and I don't um, want that and that's you know I I once said oh I gotta think whether I should share this or not hold on okay that's never stopped me before. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife were on the show, and I was talking to them about target theology. And Christians say stuff like this. You know, the more you do for the Lord, the bigger the target is in the back of your head, and that means Satan really wants to take you out. And so in the whole, in their story, where one of their kids accidentally drove over another one of their kids in their driveway... Uh, mm-hmm. I asked them about that target theology, and basically what I'm saying is, if that's true, why would I? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to, you know, volunteer for any great Jesus assignment if it means my kids get it, get run over, or I, you know, then I have a bigger testimony, or you know, Satan is going to be more after me because I'm doing more good for God. Ah, I just don't get that stuff. Huh, I, I feel mean, better now. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's huge, it's huge stuff, you know. I mean, I think you could be a very well-studied theologian and still have time for, like, we just don't understand everything about God and the spiritual realm and, um, you know, Satan's role and all that crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we certainly have stories in the Bible of the cost of following Jesus, um, that's that, true. that is true. That's one thing I think in our society we, you know, the cost of commitment, the the cost of of um, yeah, the cost of commitment. I guess you know we're living mm-hmm. in a very non-committal society. So okay, hold on, I got to lighten up. It's getting too heavy here, folks. We're we're on the phone with Ian and Larissa. Although their story is not exactly a light story. Um. You know, 828 is the name of the book. Ian, that was your dad's birthday, is that right? <laughs> okay, all right. It was also the wedding day, and it's also the verse that you guys hunker down into. And for those mm-hmm. people who don't know that verse, and we now know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. 
Four years after the accident, you get married on this day, 828. I got to make a little commentary on the wedding. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Okay. Love the boots, love the flowers, love the simple country setting. Love it, love it, love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> I just sounded. I just sounded like you know, you know all those movies where where they have the gay wedding planner guy. That's what I just sounded like there. Oh, man. Anyway, no, that was just beautiful stuff. And um, you know, Ian, I want to talk to you for a second here because I think when people see you on video, Ian, and they see the way you talk or they hear you as you've spoken on this show. I'm sure people wonder if you're really in there. Are you are you the same person and are you really in there? And and the moment that I realized that you were actually really in there, Ian, was when I watched the wedding video and when the preacher said, Ian, you may now kiss the bride. Dude, you completely understood that, man. You popped up out of your chair and went in for the lip lock with your woman. I'm telling you, it was a good thing. Uh. <laughs> Yes, yes, you He said yes is now the response. Well, and even when we're watching our wedding video now, whenever um, we hear a pastor saying that, he reaches over and gives me a kiss. So I think it's inherent, the inherent response, even when it's on replay. Yeah. Well, it was... I don't know. I was moved. Everybody was moved. Everyone, you can't watch that video and not have a little, uh, little heart palpitation. Um, you know, I was gonna. I want to share this story with you, Larissa. And this might. There's a question at the end of it, and this might be really unfair of me to ask you this question in front of Ian. So, if you want to say, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to answer that, or I want to pass. You, you just be straight up with me, okay? Okay. So. I have some some people I know from years ago. His name is Ed Kia. And Ed Kia played for the St. Louis Blues. He was in the NHL for a long time. Big farm boy. And um, he got sent down to the minors. And while he was playing for the the, the farm team for the St. Louis Blues, he came around behind the net, was checked into the boards. And I can't remember whether he didn't have a helmet or it came off or whatever it was, but his head hit the boards, the glass, and then came down and hit the ice. And he sustained a major brain injury, and he was in a coma for months. And when he finally came out of it, his wife had to teach him how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to go to the bathroom, everything. And it was a a really interesting story. And as I got to know Ed Kia over the years, because he and I worked at this uh, this camp for kids, uh, he would come into the kitchen and pour a giant mixing bowl, fill it with cereal, and he just spent about an hour and a half eating this bowl of cereal real slow with a big spoon. And he's a real simple, kind guy. And, and his faith, his faith was beautiful because he was a child in many ways. And I spoke to his wife one time and I said, oh, it's, you know, I was kind of gushing over how I admire their perseverance and uh, how neat his faith was and this childlike thing. And she pulled me aside and basically said, how much of a pain in the butt it was being married to Ed because he is a kid. And to stop, she challenged me to kind of smarten up and, and stop glorifying this whole thing. It it was exhausting for her. And she broke down and cried. Exhausting. How are you doing, Larissa? You know, we, we see the glorified love story that you guys have. And... You know, I think the tendency is for outsiders to romanticize everything. And the reality is, 
you just must have some really, really tough days. I don't even know how to ask that question, you know, and I feel kind of bad, Ian, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm asking your wife, you know, is she, is she, does she get tired of you? I'm asking that question in your presence, and it's a, it's a jerk move, I think. So what do you think? Okay, so, like, give me a spouse who's never gotten sick of their spouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, good point. Seriously, I mean, like, sure, it's, like, ty- it's physically tiring, but um, Ian's not a child. Ian doesn't have the mentality of a child. Um, Ian makes me laugh all the time. Um, we have a great support system. You know, we have a full-time caregiver when I'm at work, and his family is always nearby to help us, and um, it's not... I don't know what I'll feel like, you know, when we're 70. I think we'll both be totally worn out. We joke about that sometimes. Like, how are we seriously going to, like, still help each other and like each other when we're 70? Um, But, no, uh, Ian's my best friend. And even when it's, like, hard and um, I'm just tired and don't feel like I have anything left to give, like, Ian still is so kind to me. Like, I said something to him the other night. I was really annoyed at him and told him that. And his, his response was, I'm oddly attracted to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he knows how, like, he knows when I'm really struggling, all he has to do is make me laugh, and then I'm like, you know, I'm back in the game. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So interesting. Okay, well, not to sound like negative Norman here, but that's a spiritual gift of mine. Spiritual gift of pessimism. Um, You know, Larissa, you didn't... This is not what you imagined future to be like when you were a little girl. So obviously it's a a huge curveball and... You know, I... um, In those times where you're you're sort of in in your own quiet self and you're questioning and wondering or frustrated or doubting or whatever... Gee, again, I, I'm, I'm stumbling through this because, I, I mean, okay, can you have kids? Oh, uh, we have no reason to think we can. Okay. And for some reason, people love to ask. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> no, but, you know, it play. I'm not, look, I'm not just talking, to, I'm not just sort of saying, can you have sex? What, I, what I'm trying to figure out here is, you know, most young girls dream of, not all, but most young girls that I've talked to, you know, they grow up and they dream of being a mom. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, if, if that if that can't happen, that's another curveball for you, right? So, anyway. I, I just... You feel better. Yeah, I feel better now yeah. that I'm... Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys are fun. Okay. What do people say? Because you're you're pretty heavily involved in, in, in the church scene, in the Jesus scene, in, in the Christian scene. And... The word healing is part of that theology, and I'm sure I'm sure the elders have been involved. I'm sure there's been an anointing of oil, and I'm sure people have prayed for for Ian's healing. How does that sit with you? Healing. Um. So if we stopped believing God could heal Ian, then we are um, not believing part of God's character that's revealed to us in the Bible. <clears throat> Um, but we also know God doesn't always heal everyone here, and so that's just a constant, like, um, I think it goes in waves, so I think right now we're in a season of, um, 
it feels too vulnerable to keep praying yeah. for that specifically. But, like, in a very God way, our small group, some of the women have just been expressed, you know, not knowing that's where, like, I've been, um, have just expressed how much of a burden they've had on their heart to keep praying for healing. And so <laughs> I think that's just the beauty of the local church. Um, that's how we lift each other's burdens, and we carry one another through it. And I know that, you know, we are a product of the church all over the world praying for us on our behalf and petitioning on our behalf when we, you know, don't have the courage to do it ourselves. It's really, it's, um, it's got to be so humbling, eh, to have that many people yeah. praying for you. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very crazy. And we don't even know how many people are. And, you know, we always think, like, why did, like, I can't believe people haven't gotten sick of our story or, like, sick of praying for us. Because, you know, you'll, like, come across the story and say, like, yeah. oh, I'm praying for you, and then you don't ever actually do it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Oh, maybe I'm, you do it once. I'm the same way. I, I totally get it. All right, listen, I'm looking at the clock. We're near the end of our show, and I got, I've got to ask you one last question. Who do you have picked out to play the two lead roles in the movie? Okay, Ian, who will play you in our movie? Tom Cruise. So easy, hands down, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, nice. Okay, all right. I'm not kidding. Like, looking at old pictures of Ian, when Ian has long hair... I saw it. No, I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. like... Yeah, it's literally like watching Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai. I can't even watch that movie without laughing. It is. You're so because right. So I have no idea who would play me. I don't think I look like anyone. Well, I could see a little Sandra Bullock in there, maybe. Hey, what do you think? Maybe maybe Betty White. Betty White! <laughs> <laughs> nice call. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, listen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing your story to be out there. Thank you. The vulnerability is ridiculous. So thank you. Um, You know, you've got everybody up in your business and all these media outlets, myself included, knocking on your door. And um, I know there's stuff that comes with that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you. I think I said that already, but thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for having us. IanLarissa.com is the website. Ian, dude, take care of that woman, man. You married up. All I can say is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. Uh, the book, of course, is called 828. And uh, go to the website, uh, support them, pray for them, follow them, buy the book. It's This is this is encouragement. This is inspiration right here. Again, Larissa, thank you. Thank you for having us. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, wow. You should watch their videos. Watch their videos. It is beautiful. It is inspirational. And I thought that we should just go out with a, one of the mushiest songs that I've heard in a long time. This is Leonard Cohen's son, Adam, with a song called What Other Guy. And we'll be back next week at 1 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. What other guy knows you like that? name the first guy you ever kissed I can name the perfume on your wrist What other guy knows you like that Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I know what you want by what you're wearing The kind of night 
you're preparing I know what your hands do When you're kissing Number one and number two Favorite positions I know how your skin glistens Listen I know where you go With your beautiful friends I know what you taste like When the night